1: Stayed on side,
2: the late man, Matthews, great move, what a goal! beauty, Austin Matthews.
1: Matthews flipped it up for Marner, Mitch Marner, centering, high into the net, scores! He took fast down and his shots wrapped in the
0: corner of the ring.
1: Here we go, episode 11 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, Ken Stapon and Brendan McCarthy with you, BMAC, how you doing buddy?
2: Kenny, I'm good, man. A lot of upsets in Paris on clay today. Let me tell you, man, I've been covering loads of tennis of late.
1: Yeah, yeah. You were up uh, pretty early this morning doing the tennis. Man, I got to tell you, I was in the 1050 studio on Saturday morning doing the Greg Carrasco show. And there was a couple of guys covering the tournament, and they looked miserable. to be. It's in, early.
2: I mean, a lot of people are in... Saturday morning. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are in as early as 3 a.m., 4 a.m., but... World number two, Simona Halep goes down in straight sets. Six-seeded Alex Varev went down. Dominic Team almost went down in five sets, but he closed it out. So a lot, of, uh, a lot of teens making a name for themselves.
1: Yeah, well, it's that transitionary period, right? And with the old guard getting older and Nadal's getting up there, Djokovic is getting up there, Federer is up there. It's going through that transitionary period where there's going to be the new dominant stars who are coming up now. And... We mentioned Dennis Shapovalov last week as being the best Canadian player at the moment, cracking the world top 10. It'll be interesting to see how he can take advantage of the opportunities that are going to present themselves based off the fact that the old guard is getting older. And speaking of the old guard, the Tampa Bay lightning get over the hump winning the Stanley cup. I mean, not a huge surprise because we saw what was going on with this team over the last couple seasons. I mean, the most dominant team in the regular season, by my estimation, two years ago. This year, stringed together a great one up until the stoppage, and they're able to get it done and win the Stanley Cup.
2: Good Lord. I mean, if they lost again... It's just, it just would have been. It Would be a nightmare. It would have been chaos. Like, oh <laughs> well, it my was, it god! Was like
1: in Florida, though, do you see that? Like it just seems like nobody gives a shit about the pandemic. What a there.
2: what a disaster, man! <laughs> I love I love Patty Maroon though. He's got like the same uh, the same antics as Ovechkin did when the Caps won the Cup in 2018. I think Patty Maroon's just gonna go all summer. Guy wet his pants though. Did you see, I don't even know if that's true, but like maybe he was just <laughs> oh, like man. riding a jet ski and like he I don't know maybe. Yeah, there's a lot of water sports going
1: on down there. A lot of water action going on. Yeah, yeah. I see them wheeling around with a cup on a jet ski. I was like, you might want to slap a life jacket on that thing. Yeah, I I know. What was that? I mean, that's why they have two cups, though, right? So that these guys can just wheel around with it, beat it up. They're letting the fans drink out of it, which I found just astonishing, given the current climate down there. Like, it's a Corona hotbed, and everybody's just taking drinks out of the Stanley Cup, and it's like, all right,
2: do Yeah, I guess. I was yeah, I was a Florida little perplexed strikes by again. that. I mean, you know, that's the whole point why the NHL set up the the bubble. And you know, there's players high fiving fans, and it's hard. I get it. Like, you just won the Stanley Cup, but it's like, well, all that 60 days in the bubble, isolating, and you know, playing without fans is almost all for nothing if you know cases continue to spike down there, which they've been probably hit the hardest. No.
1: Well, I don't think that it would all be for nothing. I mean, obviously, they got through the tournaments, no positive cases. They've been the only professional sport to accomplish that, where there was zero cases through the whole season or the whole continuation, I should say, of the season and the postseason in the bubble. So you could say it's all for naught, but they were able to contain it for the set period of time while the athletes were in the bubble competing for the ultimate prize, the Stanley Cup. So in that sense, I don't think that it was all for nothing at all. But I do understand why people are kind of like, what the hell are you guys doing? Because it's not necessarily the best look, especially when you look how cautious Canadians are being trying to keep this thing under wraps. And then it's just like all hell is breaking loose south of the border.
2: No, no doubt that the bubble worked, but it's just stupid how, you know, we've we've done well. We set up a good, you know, bubble to limit Protest the spread etc but it's like you know maybe just don't come into close contact with fans it just, it just kind of looks bad yeah but, the you know, obviously they're good. ecstatic which they should be and i i hate hearing about the asterisks and people saying it doesn't matter because you're still dealing with the same talent don't i hate hearing about you know oh there's no travel it's like no no that's it, who, who is it
1: that tweeted about that was it damian cox it was Cox thing, and that this was like one of the easiest Stanley Cups to win ever. And then that was BS. Yeah. I forget who went back at them. It was Goudreau. Like, was, Goudreau. Was it Goudreau. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was just like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, you wouldn't know a playoff hockey if it like hit you, like we gave you the old Northland sandwich right across the face. Yeah. I thought that was just like an awful, awful take, especially when you look at the sacrifices that these players made. For going sure. It's a hotel for the last. I don't know how long it was yet they had to quarantine for a days? couple of weeks before yeah and then for the stars and for the lightning 60 days in a hotel away from your family I mean spending that much time with your teammates like I love my friends but 60 days straight like after 2 weeks you just got to be tired of it no
2: yeah and what's the only what's the only difference from previous playoff years you're just not going to let's just say Dallas back to Tampa I mean you're still dealing with a rigorous training routine you're still dealing with a rigorous training routine, you know. It's schedule it's too. Mentally and physically Back exhausting. Back to backs. Back to backs in the
1: cup final. They had the triple overtime game, and then what did the next one go to? Five, five. It was five periods. So it's eleven so. periods of hockey in two game in two yeah. days. You're telling me that this is the easiest cup to win ever? Like I don't buy that for a second. I thought that was just like an awful, awful, awful take. And when I bring up the old guard before. The Tampa Bay Lightning, what I mean by that is that the Lightning have sort of been knocking on the door and have basically been a top three team, a top five team in the regular season over, it seems like, the last four or five years. Really, they've been in the mix since they lost to Chicago. And what what year was that? Was it uh, 2015? 2015. 2015 that they lost to the Blackhawks in that cup final. And basically since then, they've been knocking on the door. So good for Tampa Bay to be able to get over the hump Big congratulations to Victor Hedman. I mean, the way that this guy has been playing and played through the whole tournament, it was so reminiscent for me, speaking of those Blackhawks, of the way that Duncan Keith was able to anchor that decor when they were in the middle of their dynasty. Just a bona fide number one defenseman. He brings the offense. He's just a shutdown guy, huge body, and he's just a minute muncher. Like, this guy was 25-plus minutes, I think, every single game it was incredible to watch and what a foundational player you just feel like he's got to be the unanimous pick for the best defenseman in the league at this point in time with the level that he's consistently been able to play at
2: absolutely i i agree with that he was an absolute beast all playoffs and remember too he and stamkos were pretty much the original studs dating back to when they were drafted and believe oh nine ten 9 10 around that time and you know both of them have experienced just rough times together and to experience that win together is awesome. No doubt. He's, he's, you know, more, more than deserving of, of future awards and maybe another consummate, man. I mean, Tampa, I know they're going to lose some guys to, to free agency in the, in the off season. some pivotal guys that helped um, really claim the, their first title ever, but you know, they, they have a really, really staple defenseman in Victor Hedman.
1: Well, if they're able to, I don't know if you saw this report, but somebody was saying, suggesting that there could be a little a bit of a deal between the two old friends, Julian Breesbaugh and Stevie Y. And basically the report was insinuating that the Tampa Bay Lightning would trade the players that they need to sign, Alex Sergachev and Torelli or whoever, whoever else it was. They're going to be free agents or UFAs or whatever. Have the Detroit Red Wings sign them to contracts, and then trade them back to Tampa Bay while, retaining, while retaining the salary from the contract. So basically, so basically, they the wings would just, like, they obviously aren't going to be competitive, and Tampa would have to throw in some pretty good pieces to sweeten the deal. I would assume there'd be a number of uh, draft picks involved, maybe some prospects that uh, Stevie Y could groom for a future. He's obviously very familiar with the farm system over there in Tampa Bay, as he probably drafted a strong majority of them. I thought that was a really interesting take and a really interesting piece of business that could be done and a really shrewd move by both GMs if they're able to pull it off.
2: I think that I hadn't heard that before yet, Kenny, but that would be a, a very sly move
1: man, managerial-wise. Can you imagine if the Maple Leafs did that, though? That was that was the outrage in the tweet there. Like, if the Toronto Maple Leafs did this, then the league would block the trade and, uh, and they were getting all pissed off. And I was like, yeah, they're probably right. They would do that if Toronto tried to pull a fast one, but you also have to figure that the draft capital that would have to be going the other way. would have to be pretty extensive for it to be worthwhile for Stevie. Why's sake?
2: Yeah. You just know when we wrap up this pod, the Leafs are going to make a trade. I think it's what happened when uh, we recorded uh, an earlier episode and then Kappen and got dealt to the pen. So it was like the next day. And I texted you. I was like, ah, dang.
1: But yeah, now we have to wait a week. We're like (laughs) completely behind the eight ball. I want to talk about Steven Stamkos for a minute. And, the effect that this win is going to have on his legacy moving forward. This player, like you really felt for him when he got the cup. I mean, it was a weird sort of situation, like a weird ceremony. Obviously he was only able to play a couple minutes through the whole Stanley Cup run, made his appearance in the one game, scored the goal, and then proceeded to leave the game with the aggravated injury. So a little peculiar, maybe I, I know it's tradition to give the captain the cup, but. You feel like you could have skated Headman up there to take the cup from Jerry, and that would have been that would have been maybe a little bit more appropriate in this sense. But for Steven Stamkos, how does this solidify his legacy? I mean, he's it's evaded him for his whole career. Obviously, we mentioned earlier they lose in 2015 to the Hawks, and this guy has been injury riddled, particularly over the last couple seasons, but still very accomplished. He won the Rocket, I think it was in 2010 and 2012. It was a, it Correct. was like, yeah, yeah. It was in that late, late two thousands ish. I mean, he's been an all-star countless amounts of times, the lightning franchise leader in goals. Really the only thing that was evading him was the Stanley cup. And now he's got it, but he didn't play hardly at all in the playoffs. So what, what does this mean for his legacy?
2: Well, I think immediately I thought it's the same relief off your shoulders as Alex Ovechkin and what he went through because, yeah, you know, good you comparison. Could, you can, you know, obtain all these individual stats and awards, but it's like, okay, great. We know you're a phenomenal franchise player, what have you, but you're missing one thing to cement your legacy. And that is a cup. And that's what Obechkin finally did in 2018. And finally, Stamkos, I'm sure it was driving him nuts, but you could just see the relief when both of those two iconic players hoisted the cup, just the sense of relief. So it's really going to cement his legacy. And I think Stamkos is going to come back next year fully healthy and maybe has a career year.
1: But do you think that people are going to say, oh, who cares? Like Stamkos won the cup, but he didn't play, so it doesn't really count or try to paint the picture like that? Because he obviously he was a huge part of this team's success over the last several years. He's a huge part of this team's success during the regular season before he got injured. But there are going to be people who are going to say, yeah, he's got a cup but he didn't play hardly at all. He scored one goal in the playoffs, and he didn't help us. One team goal in three
2: minutes. He had three minutes of ice time.
1: Yeah, okay. Like
2: I want to see a full – Listen,
1: this is not my take. I'm just saying people are going to say No, this. I'm
2: not pointing fingers at you. I just say, how can you say he hadn't he hadn't made an impact? Yeah, what if you gave go, him, you know, he, 18 minutes of ice time? What if, why would he score a hat trick? Well, if you're going off one goal every three minutes,
1: then uh, he would have been at six if he was out there for 18, 18 yeah. minutes. That's would be a pretty impressive stretch of hockey for uh, one game. But that people are going to say that, though, you know? You yeah, know that there's going to be stupid. those grumpy people out there who are going to be like, ah, you know, waving their cane at them. All the boomers are going to be waving the cane out there.
2: <laughs> I love that, waving the cane.
1: Yeah, they're just going to be super pissed off. Like To me, I don't know if this is like necessarily a hot take, but to me, Stamkos has been the best player in Tampa Bay Lightning history. Like, and I know it's Marty St. Louis, Vinny Le Cavalier, Dave Anderchuk, as you brought up last pod when was, we were talking about the alumni. Right. We've had some terrific, terrific players that have gone through the organization, but Stamkos is the leader in goals. He's only going to continue to build on that moving forward. And he's really set the foundation and the bar for this organization to be successful over the last decade.
2: I absolutely agree, man. I'm actually just looking through HockeyDB and, and Stamkos' stats. I mean, career year was probably 20 oh nine oh nine ten he had pardon me it was eighteen nineteen. he had 98 points you know with, with the cup under his belt man i mean what if he eclipsed the 100 point mark i think that's the, the last thing that he needed to do to prove himself as a world-class all-around world-class player he's yeah, done he'd it like to, he'd like to get so now the weight's lifted for
1: sure the weights lifted yeah that that's it and I'm with you on this I think that it doesn't matter that he didn't play that much because what he's done and what he sacrificed for the organization to get to where they are and what he sacrificed this season to get them into the position in the playoffs where they could be successful I mean credit the depth of the team in general that they were able to go without their most prolific scorer through the whole run and end up winning it. I mean, I can't imagine the Maple Leafs would be
2: able to do something similar if they were missing Austin Matthews. I don't think so. That's an excellent, excellent point actually. And you know what? I know it's, we, we're not there, but what we can glean from Stamkos as a player I'm sure he's beloved in the locker room. He was there after every win and every loss. I'm sure he provides a boost and helps out the young players. Like he he did everything he could, I'm sure, off the ice when he was injured. So let's not forget that and the impact he had there.
1: No, it's a a fair point. Like he obviously did have an impact off the ice, and congratulations to him. It was was so good to watch him hoist the cup finally, and like you said, get that monkey off his back. Uh, One of the other most prolific goal scorers in the league – Patrick Laine is allegedly going to be on the trading block. Good Lord. Kevin Dayoff is basically (laughs) saying he's open for business. This this has been a disappointing Jets team after just a few years ago where a lot of people had them as cup favorites entering into the postseason. And now it seems like after their defense just got completely decimated this offseason, they obviously had Myers leaving free agency. They had Sherrod. Leaving free agency. They have a big buff decide that he's just not going to show up. And prior to buff deciding that he wasn't going to show up, they ship Jacob Truba out to New York. So a completely decimated back end to the season. Probably if it weren't for the stunning play of Connor Heliabuk, they would have been in a lot worse position. And I think that Shevel Dayoff understands that this team no longer, as it's constructed, is going to be able to make a deep run at a cup unless they make some adjustments.
2: Honestly, man, I think maybe Line could be plaguing the Jets, maybe impeding their growth to make that next push and deep run in the playoffs. Because to be honest, he looks quite like a young Ovechkin, like pre 2010, just kind of lethargic. You know, obviously, he has a phenomenal shot. He's great on the power play. He's a top three player on the Jets. But this could perhaps be a blessing in disguise. As if Kevin Dayoff is able to pull this off and perhaps get a very valuable piece in return. Obviously it's easy to, to say, pull the trigger and do it, but you know, it could help line a, and it could help overall the, the Jets team. Cause like the Leafs they're in win now mode.
1: Yeah. For line a and for the Jets, for that matter, this could be, a good move. Sometimes it just a change of scenery can do a big boost for a player. And let's not underestimate the value of Patrick Line. I don't want to come in here and suggest that he's just like dead weight or anything like that. I think that he can leave a little bit to be desired on the defensive end of the ice, and the two way game isn't necessarily there. But the guy scores goals in bunches. And since 2016, He's been one of the most prolific scorers in the league. I can only think of a handful of guys that would be ahead of him. McDavid, Matthews, Ovechkin, probably a handful more, but he's got to be up in that top six, seven, eight range since he entered the league. I mean, he's just been so impressive to watch. And in a league where everybody always says offense is the hardest thing to find, it's hard to think that a team would be willing to ship such a prolific goal scorer out when there multiple teams are looking for that exact entity and it's the hardest thing to find through the draft.
2: What if he goes to like the Canadians or something, man? That would just
1: light oh, wouldn't that the be a burner? Twitter
2: world and NHL world on fire.
1: Hey, Mark, Berge- oh Mark Bergevin. Mark Bergevan said that his first round pick is open for business, but he wants a player that's going to help him wink, now.
2: Nudge, nudge.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's ready to go. I've been paying attention to the draft, like subtly. Like I've obviously everybody's been following who's going to take the top five picks. You know, there's been a lot of attention, particularly on the Ottawa senators at who they're going to take at three and five. But as far as when you get down to number 15, number 16, the Canadians I think are picking at number 16 and the Leafs are at number 15. I haven't been speculating too much about who I think Toronto is going to draft there because I think that they're going to dish their pick at the draft. I don't think that there's any value to them to be bringing in a guy who they're going to try to
2: groom for the next, three or four years when they're trying to compete right now. Absolutely. No, it, it's most likely based off pre-draft rankings that I've searched through. It's this guy out of the Brandon Wheat Kings. I forget his name. His Wheat name Kings. escapes me. But, I mean, like you said, like th- there's no time to go through a full Timothy Lilligren, Rasmus Sandin process, if you will, because we're, we can't wait right now. We're, we're already dealing with, players in the pipeline that have to be groomed, have to be developed. You know, we're, we're not, we're not in rebuild mode here. We're retooling on the fly, I'd say.
1: And it's not a situation where you can just draft the best player because you know that they're the best player and then try to figure it out after. Like you think, uh, what was that? Eli Manning when he got drafted by the Chargers at first overall. And they're like, we're, he's the unanimous number one pick, even though he said he would never play in San Diego. It's like, they still had to take him number one. At number 15, you're better off to trade the pick before you draft the prospect because another team is going to have likely a different player in their ranking than you would have. And after you draft the prospect, you almost need to wait and see over the next two or three seasons what they blossom into and whether they're going to be above the value or below the value of the pick itself. If you trade the pick before the draft, then the organization is getting a player that they value at that pick. So I feel like it behooves the Leafs to try to move it before rather than picking up a prospect and then sort of sitting on him to see what happens.
2: Yeah. And I think it's an awesome move too by Dubas just to acquire a top 15 pick because now you have options. Now you can flip it. And, you know, prior to this, the question was like, oh, we don't have a first round pick. So how's this going to work out? But yeah,
1: yeah now, and then they get the little salary dump, get the first rounder out of Pittsburgh. And uh,
2: once again, Dubas does wonders.
1: Yeah, speaking of Pittsburgh, uh, they had a little resigning, resigning Tristan Jari to a contract and everybody's speculating that Matt Murray, that means Matt Murray's going to be traded. I don't know why the hell this is news to anybody to be honest. I mean, Jim or Jimmy Rutherford came on overdrive a month ago and basically said Matt Murray's getting traded. Like he, he like he didn't like he couldn't have said it any more explicitly if he tried. Like he basically verbatim said that. And now all of a sudden, so no real surprise to see them sign Jari. He obviously comes in a little bit more of an affordable cap hit. You feel like Murray's going to command a little bit on the free agent market. Obviously, it's an oversaturated market with goalies that's been well documented. And there's been a lot of chatter about Toronto maybe trying to upgrade the position. But I got to feel that Murray's going to come in at an AAV over $5 million, probably, let would say, closer to six, if not north of that.
2: Yeah, and... Murray, of course, well, both Jari and Murray were RFAs. So I guess, you know, they're going to have to sort some things out there because w- I guess the team will still have rights to his contract. But no, this poses an interesting uh, dilemma for, for possibly the Leafs because, you know, Vegas did something similar where they kind of entrusted long-term in their goalie and Robin Leonard signing the $25 million contract. Yeah, five by five, f- if I recall. Yeah, and now it's like mm, Flurry's up. Fleury's next done year? there. Uh, he has
1: two years left, oh. I think, at seven point five. But he's two years yeah, left. But yeah, which is a still a like, decent term for that goalie. I think a pretty fair price. I think a lot of teams would be pretty happy to pick up that contract, knowing that they're going to be able to get out of it in two seasons. Like that's a good time frame for the age of the goaltender and. If you're looking to compete right now, you gotta feel like a lot of teams would feel pretty good about having Marc-Andre Fleury between the pipes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But again, Leonard just completely outperformed the number one in the playoffs. So a well-deserved contract for for Robin. And but, you know, an interesting dilemma, as I said before, because Dubas most definitely sniffing around at Murray, considering Freddie's up next year. He's got one more year. I think he I think he'd be a pretty affordable ad for the Leafs and maybe they do something short term. And then of course you have uh, Jack Campbell in the back. So that's a pretty good tandem. I'm obviously thinking way far ahead now, but it's yeah, and, uh
1: see for me when I look at the goaltending position for the Leafs in general, there's no doubt that Anderson gets it done in the regular season and he's had a tremendous workload comparatively to other goaltenders in the league. I mean, this guy's think the only other goaltender who's faced more rubber might have been helly buck in Winnipeg over the last two or three seasons. I mean, he takes a ton of shots. So if the Toronto could figure out a way to tighten up in front of him and get some more starts out of Jack Campbell, you got to feel like that production would rise. I'm also not certain that Matt Murray is an upgrade. And if, for me, at the goaltending position, you either need a definitive, definitive upgrade, or you need to save some money one or the other, and you're not going to save any money on Murray because Anderson, I think coming in at 5 million, I doubt that Murray is going to want to sign for anything less than that. He's probably going to want more and a longer term based off his resume and the Stanley cup that he has on it. And then you look at on the other side, like Anderson's success. And obviously it's been well-documented his record in games where he's had the ability to close out a series but that's just as much on the team. Like they've let the, they've let them down and by not playing tight defense in front of them. And it's been well-documented the game seven sort of soft goals that he lets in. And that's all well and good. But I just, I think that if you're going to do it, it it has to be a surefire slam dunk, take it to the bank. And I'm not thinking that Matt Murray is is giving me those vibes as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan.
2: Fair enough. I mean, it's, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But, you know, I think really what's going to happen, you might find that Dubis and company are quiet until the trade deadline. You know, with, with Freddie, he's going to become a UFA in 21. So, you know, depending on where the Leafs are at come the modified season, I guess the new February would be, what, like June? If the season starts in January, so whatever the yeah. trade deadline is, the new yeah, the modified trade deadline, whatever it is, me. pardon me. I that so that mental math is
1: not working for me right now? I'm trying to figure whenever out the, the new and whatever's yeah, going on. No, it's, it's so <laughs> confusing, man. I don't even know what, what month are we
2: in November? No, we're not October.
1: No, no, I just uh, it <laughs> so, was throwing you off because I grew the mustache a month early. I'm bringing back the. Oh, it's all right. Everybody's it's like right. oh, it's, I'm it's, gonna it's, do it, that too. It's November. We should do a page in October.
2: We should do a page come November. Yeah, we can fire it up. Uh, it gets pretty. Anyway, though. depending I on where the Leafs are at, and depending on where the Leafs are at, and how successful Anderson can be in his contract year, Dubis might be looking to pull the trigger late, maybe mid-season, and that that could be a possibility. I
1: just think you need some like a surefire bet for this team at this point. And Anderson has been well documented what he's been able to do, and you can't to even get into the play. Well, oh, he's going to
2: demand more than five. Like you say that. Oh, of course he is. Matt Murray is yeah, going to like not take less than five. Like, so we won't, might not be able to afford him. So why not take a more affordable, serviceable? Well, if-, if, if Murray's even serviceable anymore, I mean, he does have two cups in the past? What five years?
1: Yeah, but yeah, it's coming off his worst season by far in the Pittsburgh uniform. Like he never really had it going for him, and he he I guess lost he's, the starting
2: job to Jari by the end of the year. So I guess he's technically under the category of serviceable.
1: <laughs> yeah, serviceable, but I don't know how serviceable he's going to be when you look at the patchwork decor that's in front of the that's in front of the net for the Maple Leafs. I mean. Man, if he can't get it done with the decor in Pittsburgh, not that that's one of the best in the league. What makes you think that he's going to, his numbers are going to spike with Rasmus Sandine, Travis Dermott, and Justin Hall in front of him?
2: Change of scene, man. Like Patrick <laughs> Kleine. You've... Yeah, because Toronto, honestly, Toronto's <laughs> are else? so
1: welcoming. No, he's, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's drafted yeah, by Pittsburgh, are. but Torontonians, I'm sure, will be very welcoming of Matt Murray if he comes in and just starts laying greasers. Just letting in like three, four, five goal games. Oh, man. That'll, then then wait to see what's f- trending on Twitter. It'll be hashtag fire Dubis hashtag Murray out.
2: Oh, jeez. Yeah, you yeah, can see it now.
1: It's been a while since uh, you've heard the fire Dubas hashtag, eh? All right, let's go to our favorite segment, the library bar. You
0: got me sitting at a bar on the inside, waiting for my ride Christ, that piece of shit, then away.
1: Good old library bar. That's, I don't know, that's really all I got for you. <laughs> Didn't really have an intro oh. prepared that time around. Um, yeah, so who's at the library bar this week? I actually picked a tandem for who's going to be there, and hopefully they'll run into each other because I feel like there might be a little bit of animosity, but two of the goaltenders that were mentioned beforehand... Mark andre Fleury and Robin Leonard, both for different reasons, albeit Fleury is going to be drinking, reminiscing over the contracts they signed when the Vegas Golden Knights inked him to the $7.5 million three-year extension just a couple seasons ago, thinking that he was going to be the backbone of this team moving forward and have a chance to hoist another Stanley Cup outside of Pittsburgh. But now, obviously, with the inking of Robin Leonard, who's going to be celebrating Based off what his career trajectory has done over the past couple of years, he gets the big ticket in Vegas. Obviously, has the amazing run in the Stanley Cup playoffs, outperforming nearly every goalie on the other side until he ran into who was it the Dallas at Hudobin on the other side.
2: We're not going home.
1: Do you see? <laughs> I love that man. Do you see all the lightning so players making fun of him in the locker room? They're like, oh you, no. yeah, you're go, you're going. Guess who's going home now? And they are all just like roasting. Oh it. yeah, I mean, they were it was, just it was loaded. It was choice language. We will not repeat on yes. the podcast, but they were uh, they were mocking Dobby.
2: You know, I'm going to take a player out of the French Open. Nineteen-year-old Italian Yannick Sinner. I alluded to this off the top. Yannick he Sinner, have... Alexander Zverev. Okay, and I, I'm sure he, he is just I'm not familiar
1: with, to be honest.
2: I, you don't have to be. I'm just sure he's getting into one at some library bar equivalent in Paris or just, you know, having a nice baguette and bottle of red.
1: Yeah, yeah. You let, that's uh, something good to do in Paris. You get a little uh, Bordeaux
2: wine flowing, a little charcuterie, the oh, croissants. Paris is unbelievable. I was there in 2017. In oh, very nice. I, I know you were so well-traveled. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 2017, my Europe travel days.
1: Yeah, where else do you go in Europe? Where you buzz I went around? to
2: Lisbon. I did Lisbon, Madrid, you Brussels, Amsterdam too. Amsterdam. I now I remember. I remember. <laughs> hey,
1: I remember Amsterdam a couple. Was great. Yeah, that's what that's what I remember now. I remember you saying that you had a wonderful time in Amsterdam.
2: I had a wonderful time,
1: man. Oh, oh, <laughs> a wonder. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, well, any any least news that we missed? I guess the re-signing of um, Dennis Malkin was notable. And, oh my god! Wait, uh, wait! Unbelievable. Seven hundred k. The league minimum, and league fans have to be happy about that because basically they're going to have to fill out their roster to save some money with these depth guys who are just willing to take the minimum. I thought this was a shrewd piece of business by Kyle Dubas to get him to sign the one-year ticket at the league minimum and stay in Toronto.
2: That was huge. I think that led uh, SportsCenter and SportsNet all night.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dennis Mulgan. No, no, yeah, no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it probably honestly did lead SportsCenter too there. And then everybody in the West just hated, hated Toronto. Cause they're like, why the hell are we talking about Dennis Malkin right now? I would not even recognize this guy. If he walked up to me on the street and now he's like the lead just because he's a Toronto depth forward, they get signed.
2: The Kings and Blackhawks also had a deal today. Oli Mata is Oli. going to LA and I believe Brad Morrison's going the other way. But, yeah, that's pretty, pretty slow uh, news day. I, I think the Leafs at one point were kicking tires at Ole Mata, and then he's a former Penguins draft pick, but obviously never came to Toronto. And uh, first overall – sorry, not first overall, 22nd overall. First-round pick, though. And, uh, I mean, he hasn't really lived up to that much. I guess hence why he's been a bit of a suitcase over the years. Suitcase. <laughs> well, that's that's funny. No, I mean, it, you're penguins, right. When you, when you take when you take penguins, and
1: when you take a defenseman in the first round, though, you expect that they're probably going to at least be a bona fide top four guy for you. Like maybe not right. a top pairing guy, but you expect him to be serviceable at the very least. And he's been a serviceable defenseman. I think he's been the definition, but definitely, I think under a little bit underwhelming when it comes to using a first round pick on the defenseman and honestly like i think that's the kind of player that you might be looking at with timothy lilligren judging by yeah. his de, by his um defensive uh growth let's say over the last couple seasons because i haven't seen a terrible amount from him and i feel like maybe now at this point it might be time to temper the expectations and expect that he could maybe slot in on the third role maybe if he needed to and if there was injuries or whatever slide up the lineup but I haven't seen a terrible amount for him. And you feel like that he might just end up being like one of those depth guys who ends up moving around a little bit through his career.
2: I think so as well. And it's always tough when you, you're not even breaking out into the NHL yet. And you have to deal with a lingering injury. Actually, I believe it was mono he was dealing with three years ago that kind of set him back and set back his development and his Mono's such a pain fight. in the ass, dude. I had that so, in high school. Man, my oh. cousin had it. He just, he just looked white. He was white in the face. He was like, I can't talk or eat, man. Like, I'm sorry. I'm like, that's fine. I'm like, I'll just sit here with you.
1: <laughs> that's basically how I feel when uh, we'll I'm just doing nod the podcast heads. with you. When I'm doing the podcast <laughs> with you, you look a little pale in the face and you are know, just like, all right. Like, cause I, sometimes I ask you questions and then you just don't answer. And I'm like, all right, well that's fine. I'll just sit. My here last here,
2: coffee and was like, at 11am man. I've been up since five. So I'm a little spacey today. I've been
1: on the espresso grind. So even now the drip coffee isn't really getting it done. I mean, yeah i have the double espresso and i've got the french press on my house here and I'll, I'll drink like a whole thing and then i'm still going back for like number three i don't know i might have to get some extra caffeine or something
2: cooking it sometimes in i don't know if you do this or if this is weird but sometimes when i get like sometimes i'll get like a triple espresso and i'll like sniff it before i consume it just to get that like whoa and sometimes it's almost like a smelling salt where it's like okay i'm ready to drink this now <laughs>
1: No, I'm not. A, I'm not a big coffee sniffer. I don't go for the aromas, but like I know that people like that. Uh, like they're like, oh yeah, it smells like roasted, roasted like almonds. Yeah. All right. That's that's great. Like, how much is it? <laughs> like I like yeah. I, I, I I want honestly, it I'm, in I'm my in body. It. I
2: don't want to sniff it.
1: I'm in it for the. I'm purely in it for the benefits. I like. I don't really care the about consumption. The, yeah, I don't care about the taste really. That's not true. I hate Tim Hortons coffee. Yeah, like I, I'm kind of falling I, off that too. I can't stand it. Like, I drank it a little bit when we were in school together just because there was one across the street. But when, anytime that I could avoid it, I actually ended up stopping going there. And then I went to this other little cafe, but sometimes they took like 10 minutes to make a coffee. And I was like, ah, going to be late to class. Then I had to be yeah. out of there because like Ray Williams is going to rip me a new one.
2: Oh, man. No, I like little hidden gem coffee shops. Like, if you're an avid coffee consumer, like, that's when you kind of like scout out some good spots. Cause like Tim's McDonald's, even Starbucks, it kind of, just gets redundant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The Starbucks is okay. But then you go down the road, uh, like, do I really want to be paying five bucks for a cup of coffee?
2: Yeah, true.
1: Which is what it is, but funds are a little tight due to this whole uh, global pandemic thing. Well, you got Uh, a little docket for the week going here. You're moving into your new place Monday, right?
2: Yes. You'll have to very exciting. You have to come and see it in a modified form.
1: Yeah, or whatever
2: you're comfortable with, man. I'll
1: I'll come. I'll come check it out uh, after Monday. I'm uh, I'm busy, busy Monday. Busy? Yeah, can't. uh, Won't be available to help you move any coaches. I'm sorry about that.
2: Oh, that's fine, man. That's fine. I'll do it myself.
1: You got the two men and a truck coming, or what?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I lied. I'm not doing it myself.
1: No, you got, (laughs) dude. Honestly, like I'm just lifting a couch on my own. It's fine. Yeah, hiring hiring movers is the move. Like unless like I had to, I've done so many moves in Toronto. I'm just like, I'm so done with it. The last one I did when we moved in, my roommate, Patrick, he was living on the third floor of an apartment building with uh, no elevator. So we're just carrying furniture. It was like, it was such a tight stairwell. We're just like trying to squeeze furniture down there. Like, good God. I was like, Oh my God. I was just so exhausted by the end of the day. And then we had to move everything when we got to my house into the house. And It was just exhausting.
2: Yeah, that that's constitutes a workout, though, getting everything done.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess it counts for something. It's like I don't even have to go to the gym anymore as well just because I've been hauling all these kegs up the stairs at the brewery. So that's, yeah. been, uh, that's been good for the traps, for the lats.
2: Oh, yeah. I love doing, like, activities that, you know, don't involve, like, a dumbbell. Like, if you can just do, like, activities that work muscles, like carrying stuff, whether it be moving, it's great. And you, like, feel it just as much.
1: Well, I look at um, – on the docket this week, I'm actually catching up with our good buddy Ian graffs We're uh, we're gonna grab a drink on Monday. I think he's gonna pop over to the East End, and we can uh, talk some shop. See if I can don't, get some more insight. Don't go to the
2: library bar, though.
1: <laughs> I was honestly thinking about going there with him. That's why I was trying to get you to come. So I know, I know. The library bar, but like, <laughs> I, I I think that we have to be the first ones to go there. I don't think that I can bring Ian graffs there. In uh, yeah, the conscious.
2: No, I, I think you guys should just kind of keep it casual. Maybe go to like Gabby's or something or maybe, yeah, maybe he'll those, get you a
1: nice steak. A little left. Yeah. Yeah. Those athletic guys gang paid the big bucks. Ian, if you're listening, uh, it's going to be a nice porterhouse on you. All right. <laughs> you got anything else, buddy?
2: No, I'm ready to sleep and do more tennis this week.
1: Yeah, yeah, enjoy, buddy. Enjoy the early mornings. Uh, catch up on that rest, and we'll catch up soon. Thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Ken Stapon, at McCarthy 95 at LeafsPod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.
0: Do you want a true champion's perspective? Well, come on over to the Bulls Broadcast where we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, have some friendly banter, and of course, hockey name of the day. If you pronounce it, you can get it. Anthony Nunchvander. Ah, you didn't pronounce it right. That's up, An- Anthony. Anthony Nunchvander. It's it's. Any U E N? It's Noyenschvander. Anthony Noyenschvander. It... Dude, I always slept in German class, so I don't know. I don't know how you expected me to put that together. Come on. You only took it for four years. I took it for two. You took it for two years? Oh, no. j do yeah. took it that long. I, I took it for two years and was, like, asleep in all of German 2. Oh, you, 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 only, you only took it in, in uh, junior high. You didn't take it yeah. in high school at all. No. Yeah, she sent us across the hallway, and it was, like, me... And, I don't know, five other people. And all we did was just goof off because it was an empty room of just us while she was too busy yelling at you guys because you guys were a terrible <laughs> class. No, uh, we weren't a terrible, terrible class. A couple people were terrible people. I'm uh, not going to mention names. i not going to call it anybody in this pot. Chase Crawshaw. It was 100% <laughs> not me. Oh, boy. I know a couple of those names. But, uh, yeah, it's a good point, Chase. We won't mention those here. New episodes every Monday. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network.